and welcome to another episode of Chart of Fortune, the astrology podcast where I look at the birth charts of the moments and things that made pop culture. I'm your host, Elise Blaylock, and guess what? Chart of Fortune, the podcast, is officially one year old. Yes, my podcast is turning one this week, and I am celebrating by making this moment all about me. I mean, kind of. This week's episode will be a little different because I'll spend about half the episode, as we normally do, discussing a particular moment in pop culture, and then I will have the second half of the episode be all about a tarot reading that I was lucky to get recently, and it's all about the podcast. I think you're really going to love it. I don't know about you, but I wasn't always someone who was friends with people who were invested in pop culture. And if I'm being completely honest, I'm kind of still not. I know, it's weird. Lots of my friends, especially in high school, they were great at sports. They were dating all-encompassing water sign men. They had extracurricular activities that took a lot of time. And I had some of those things. I just always cared about movie references or knowing the song lyrics that someone was citing. But it wasn't enough for me to know that reference when they quoted it. When I made a reference and it didn't land with the people around me, heart fucking broken. Okay, it made me feel like I was just superficial or vapid, that me mentally cataloging lyrics or quotes or random facts about culture and celebrities was not cool, it was not useful, it was weird, and it was dumb. It was not something that a person who wanted to be intellectually curious or well-rounded or God forbid, I've always wanted to be aloof and never had been, those people wouldn't be like that. So it wasn't until I was in my mid-twenties and I discovered bar trivia that I felt like remembering years of the Macarena or random current events or being able to identify celebrities on the beach based on their bathing suits, thank you Us Weekly, paid off. And it was not until I recently listened to a podcast called Las Culturistas where they always ask guests, what was the culture that made you say culture is for you? That I realized that being a pop culture fanatic is the whole fucking point. That even if I don't have those connections in my day-to-day life, that I love that that podcast gets what it's really about. It's about asking other people to remember a distinct moment when they found out that some part of pop culture was for them. And for me, the moment that made me feel deeply like pop culture was something I always wanted to have in my life was the 2003 July Vanity Fair issue titled It's totally raining teens. Now, despite the fact that I grew up in a relatively conservative household, we somehow were always subscribed to the Vanity Fair magazine. I like to think that maybe it was the cutting words of Dominic Dunn or the Proust questionnaire on the back page that made it a mainstay in our home. What I also remember is that we would keep back issues of the magazine at our cabin in a drawer. They lived such iconic issues like the JLo one where she looks like an old Hollywood goddess in cream satin underwear and ringlets, and a couple of issues that covered the Bosnian conflict. I'd love to tell you that I kept the Demi Moore pregnancy cover and I used it to fund this podcast, but that's not true. I probably did tear out the perfume inserts for Giorgio and rub it all over my filthy little arms and legs and neck, imagining that one day I would be transformed into Cindy Crawford from that Pepsi commercial. My hair, voluminous, dark, stretching from my scalp up towards God, denim shorts and a knowing smile plastered on me. I would be a woman. 
But before that happened, because it still hasn't, the Vanity Fair magazine edition I clung to most was this one, the 2003 teen edition. It lived under my bed, and I would pull it out like a sacred leather-bound text to be opened during mass at my Catholic all-girls high school. Christina Milan. Something like that. In the name of the Hillary and the Lindsay and the Raven Simone, Amen. I memorized their answers to questions like their favorite lip gloss and their astrological sun sign. I, and I am ashamed to admit this, cut out the picture of Shia LaBeouf and placed it on the front of one of my high school binders. I swore that I would never like Alexa Vega after she, after she declared him her celebrity crush. How could this woman, a woman who was posed in a plaid skirt standing in a grocery cart in an editorial, come for my man, okay? Who did this Virgo hussy think she was exactly? And about Shia. I've said it before, but it bears repeating. This was long before we knew he was just another terrible Gemini man. Maybe it would make you feel better to know that through the wear and tear of the school year, his pictures soon had black pen doodles and scuff marks around it. Maybe not. I'll tell you the real tea here. I should have known that Shia was never going to be the man for me, first and foremost, when he answered the question of Brittany or Christina by saying Eric Clapton. It's perhaps not his fault that he is living in darkness and sin. Pray, pray, my dear listener, that he and so many other toxic men might not be lightly canceled only to return to pop culture, but that our prayers might bring them to the light, that they join us in our veneration of the patron saint of this podcast, our Lord and Savior, Brittany Jean Spears, that they might become feminist and stop talking, that they could be forever out-earned by women who are smarter, harder working, and nicer than they could ever dream of being. And so it is. But if you've made it this far in this podcast or this episode, then I'll just explain the whole magazine. In July of 2003, Vanity Fair compiled the following up-and-coming teen stars, and they asked them a bunch of questions. And if there was ever canon for Chart of Fortune, it's basically this, because the majority of episodes of topics I've covered involve some of the people I'm about to list. Quoting directly from the magazine, Vanity Fair wrote, quote, They're everywhere, and they're targeting a teen near you. Mark Seliger captures the girl power goddesses and cute boy wonders currently wowing Hollywood. Why Krista Smith pops a quiz on their crushes and pet peeves. Also see related article, Teen Engines, colon, Writing with a Kid Culture by James Wolcott. And it's like, so a major moment in pop culture. End quote. Now, the aforementioned teens and their sun signs are in the order they appear in the magazine. So I'll read them off. And if there is like half a chance that I think that you may not know who this person is because they like didn't go anywhere, I will tell you what you might know them from. But again, this is an educational podcast. I cannot do it all. But Google is our best friend. Google is the only intern I can afford right now. So here we are. Okay. AJ Trout, he was Twitty from Even Stevens. He is a Virgo. Emily Van Camp, she was in Everwood and a show called Revenge. She is a Taurus. Brittany Snow, she's basically in the Pitch Perfect franchise. She had like this failed Gossip Girl reboot where she was going to be Serena's mom. It didn't go anywhere. You probably know. She is a Pisces. Aaron Meeks, I feel like this guy was going to be something. I'm so sorry, Aaron, where are you? He was on the show on Showtime called Soul Food. That got good reviews. He didn't really do a ton after that. He is a Taurus. Uh, Mary-Kate and Ashley, as if you don't know them, both Geminis because they're twins. Evan Rachel Wood, she's in 13. She's in Westworld, the Marilyn Manson of it all. She's a Virgo. Hilary Duff, Libra. Lindsay Lohan, Cancer. Solange Knowles, also a Cancer. Lacey Chabert, Libra. 
Gregory Smith, he was like the dark brooding guy on Everwood. It was a moment. Okay. He's a Cancer. Christina Milian is a Libra. Mandy Moore is an Aries. Raven Simone is a Sagittarius. Aforementioned Toxic Gemini Man, Shia LaBeouf. Alexis Bledel is a Virgo. Amanda Bynes is an Aries. Bow Wow, aka Lil Bow Wow, is a Pisces. Aaron Carter is a Sagittarius. Kyla Pratt, who's the voice of Penny Proud on the Proud Family and also in the Dr. Doolittle series with Eddie Murphy, she's a Virgo. Alexa Vega is a Virgo. Daniel Radcliffe is a Cancer. Emma Watson is an Aries. Rupert Grint is a Virgo. Milo Ventimiglia is a Cancer. Jared Padalecki is also a Cancer. And Kaylee Corco is a Sagittarius. Now, the group, as you might have seen, is missing a few sun signs. So just a quick shout out to our friends who are Libros. I'm sorry, Leas, Scorpios, Capricorns, and Aquariuses. Because there aren't any here. That's why we love you. You round it out. Of the 2018s, there are six Virgos, six Cancers, three Aries, three Libra, three Gemini, three Sagittarius, two Taurus, and two Pisces. So the totally teens are mostly mutable sun signs. There's 14 mutable sun signs, 12 cardinal sun signs, and like two fixed signs. Is that really? I think that's, yeah. Hmm, not a lot of fixed. First and foremost, if you do not know this magazine cover, you need to Google it. Because I think if you do, the insane theory that I'm going to offer you will not seem so wild. Are you Googling it? I can wait. You can pause me. You know how this works. You're very smart. I'm just going to jump into it. You'll figure it out. My question to you, and this is where this theory begins, is do you love Millennial Pink? And if you don't, do you know what Millennial Pink is? Okay, it's a blush color. Lauren Conrad wishes she had trademarked a la Tiffany Blue or Jay-Z Blue. I kind of wish I was kidding. But I'm telling you, the cover of this magazine is the reason that we or like or at least feel vaguely soothed by blush tones. This is not the same thing as the prison pink theory, which suggests that most humans feel calmer when surrounded by a soft pink shade. No, no, and fuck to the no, this is not prison pink. Millennial pink is courtesy of color blocking stylists on this photo shoot. Okay, really, you need to Google this. Pause the pod. I will wait as long as you need. But if you look at the cover of this magazine on Google, you will see that it is almost all shades of millennial pink. This theory, like so many of my theories, is imperfect and incomplete because it fails to explain why we as a culture in 2003 were like so, so into satin. Like blush, it's forever. But like, why did we love a satin moment? I get it. It's shiny. That's very exciting. But it snags easily. And somehow we valued these traits, the fact that it picked up light and the fact that it could be easily destroyed. We valued these traits over common sense. I don't know that scientists will ever be able to grasp why we loved a satiny going out top and a low rise jean. But I do know that Vanity Fair predicted millennial pink almost 15 before, years before it would hit us all in the feels. Now, we also have to have like a dark moment about this magazine that's less about like Hillary Duff's satin pants and why we all love blush tones. And like, low key, I kind of feel like this article is cursed. I mean, yeah, there were some people who obviously have some very dark shit that happens. And that is kind of the path of teen stardom. But I have a very minuscule reason that I believe this magazine photo shoot is cursed. And here's what it is. I think it is cursed because Mary-Kate Olsen mentions that her celebrity crush at the time was a tennis player named Andy Roddick. Okay, that, he is cute. He ended up marrying Brooklyn Decker, and she always looks angry, but I hope they're happy together. The point is this. Andy Roddick 
was also Mandy Moore's crush listed in the magazine, but that's because Mandy Moore and Andy Roddick were dating at the time. Now, if you remember from pop culture, Mary Kate, we love her, but she has not had the easiest romantic relationships of all time. Note that she was linked to Stavros Niarchos, who ended up dating Paris Hilton. And of course, Mary Kate was famously called to Heath Ledger's home when he was found dead. Now, did Mary Kate somehow curse Mandy Moore's relationship with good old Andy? And as a result, through the power of karma and the fact that Mandy Moore could probably have us all killed and no one would ever know, Mary Kate ends up cursing her own romantic relationship with Stavros as some kind of like karma evil eye boomerang. So Mary-Kate's like, I'll steal Andy. She doesn't end up stealing Andy, but Mandy finds out about it. Andy and Mandy, that I mean, that was never going to last. That's so irritating. But what it did do is she's like, oh, no, I hope that Mary-Kate one day, because I was the bad girl in the, the Princess Diary, so I obviously know how this works. I hope that one day Mary-Kate has to live through a heartbreak of her own. And then it does, because some other blonde lady, Paris Hilton, helps steal away her love, Stavros. Heartbreak Hotel. Now, in this article, they are asked a series of questions. A lot of stuff is just like very introductory because the idea of the Vanity Fair article is that most people were not disgusting hot messes like myself who knew exactly who all these people were and were all about it and like knew it cover to cover. So there were a lot of adult people who could afford this magazine and they needed to know the basics. Like each of these teens' birthday, their hometown, the astrology sun sign, which we talked about their upcoming ongoing projects, the role or opportunity that gave them a big break. And all of these, I think we can agree, seem completely at home in an interview about, you know, fledgling music and acting careers. But America's got to know these teens, really know these teens. And that means that we need to ask some hard hitting questions about cars, about phones, about favorite bands, and specifically whether they were a Christina or a Britney fan. And while we're here, how singularly traumatic for Mandy Moore to be asked if she was a fan of Britney or Christina with the full knowledge that she herself was once a dyed blonde pop star becoming the RC Cola in the battle for Pepsi versus Coke. If you're Mandy, if you're RC, sure, you can capture some market share, but she'll never be the leading product. I sigh. And if I can, I'd love Mandy Moore. I liked her as Lana in The Princess Diaries. I will forever defend pennies in my pocket as a fucking bop. And I, for one, relish the idea that she and Hilary Duff's babies are friends. But here is how the Britney-Christina battle lines in 2003 were drawn. On Team Britney was Britney Snow, both Olsen twins, Hilary, but saying she loved Britney all the way. Because you know Hilary rolls deep. Lindsay, but she added that she loved Christina's voice, even though she was Team Britney. Mandy Moore, Jared Padalecki, Kaylee Cuoco, and Rupert Grint. And on Team Christina were Aaron Meeks, Kayla Pratt, I guess Alexa Vega, who said she loved Christina's voice, but found Britney more humble, Aaron Carter, and Daniel Radcliffe. Also Bow Wow, who said Christina for the boys, but both of them for the body. And to this disgusting comment, I just want to ask Bow Wow how flying on a private jet is going. Oh, because it's not going, is it? Yeah. Notable shoutouts to Solange and Amanda Bynes. They basically understood the assignment saying they liked both Brit and Christina. They're not going to put women in boxes. It's not an either or. Okay, we can live in the world of and. We're modern women. Also, AJ Trout, Emma Watson, they understood the assignment and were like, uh, neither. But I want to take a quick moment, as always, to be a little salty to the children, children, who refused engaging in a dividing line 
or at least a conversation that defined our generation. And there are some mixed results. Like, can I be real? To the children who did not answer anything at all, like you are like you are a teeny bopper photo shoot that has curly cue front. So baby, read the damn room. Here's some other answers that they gave. Eric Clapton, Brody Armstrong, Alicia Keys, Gwen Stefani, Alanis Morissette, Avril Lavigne, and Raven's cheeky Sagittarian contribution of Christina Spears. But like, and I know this is wrong for me to give her a pass, but I'm doing it. Can we all find it adorable that Lacey Chabert is team Jessica Simpson? Because that seems like way too on brand for her for me to just not mention it. I feel like I should mock this, but now that Lacey Chabert is slowly plotting her way to unseat Candace Cameron Bure as the undisputed Hallmark movie queen, I really feel like Lacey's saying she loves the J-Simps. It's real. I love it. I want her to have it. You take that dinner mini and you run, Lacey. You tell Candace Cameron to suck it. Now, we also got some truly cringeworthy catchphrases and pet peeves. So I'm going to tell you in no particular order about some catchphrases you can employ if you no longer want people to acknowledge you in public. The following is perhaps the most chuggy amount of phrases that are going to come out of my mouth. And I want you to know that if it's upsetting to hear me talk about this this way, you can skip ahead. I get it. Mental health above all else. Okay, here we go. Rock and roll. Don't fight battles you can't win. Emily, like, who hurt you, girl? What the hell? Keep smiling. You know. Actually, Olsen, we do not know. We've never known what your deal is, Ash. Let us in. Ciao. Love Smurfette. Evan Rachel Wood, I know that you're too busy reading Lolita not knowing what Juicy Couture, but you need to think of something plausible. That is not a catchphrase. Love Smurfette? What the hell? Peace and love. Oh, Lindsay, you're such a cancer. Peace out, Solange, Jared Padalecki. You guys were like sitting near Lindsay when they asked her and you were like, you know what? We're going with that. That sounds great. This is a serious situation. Raven, that is not a catchphrase. Okay, you and Evan Rachel Wood need to get a get a dictionary. Here we go. Dude, I'm out. Oh, Alexa, you always have random TV movies I won't watch. One more time for the rodeo. Why do I feel like Aaron Carter says this while holding back tears? Like, one more time for the rodeo. Ginormous. Kaylee, can you, Evan, Raven, Kaylee, I don't think just like yelling a word like ginormous is a catchphrase. I, I don't know. And finally, Milo Ventimiglia with some pure jazz from Gilmore Girls Energy saying, quote, well, my middle finger gets a lot of use. Also, some pet peeves I could not pass up sharing because I love a pet peeve. This is one of my favorite questions in the Proust questionnaire where it's like Mar- Proust, Marcel Proust, and always in the back of Vanity Fair. I love a pet peeve. I feel like this is a really good way, almost like a sun sign astrology level way of figuring out what people are really like because what bothers them says a lot about who they are. Some were admittedly normal. Like they said, I don't like people who aren't organized, or I don't like people who interrupt, or I don't like finding hair in my food, or I hate it when people eat with hair in their face. These are gross things. Or people who are just fake, or wasteful, or ignorant, or they always take life too seriously. On that last note, note the lack of Capricorns and Scorpios in the group, if you will. Maybe there could be some more serious answers here. Or something that I feel like all humans are destined to loathe, like traffic or when a radio station cuts off a song you love before it's over and you don't get to finish scream singing in your car. 
or people who are patronizing or smack their gum really loudly or just terrible drivers. And others were oddly petty, like Brittany Snow saying she hated when people read restaurant menus aloud and Hilary Duff hating chip nail polish, which leads me to believe that Hilary Duff and Lindsay's feud may also have been exacerbated by Lindsay Lohan's entire late 2000s existence because she used to pay to have chip manicure. Please, someone else tell me that you remember this. It was very wild and toxic. Or the fact that Solange hates people who sing along to songs but don't know the words. Solange, I really love you. Your aesthetic is incredible. But have you ever listened to Sean Paul? Because that's what it means to sing along to Sean Paul. Sean Paul say to all girls. And Lacey Chappelle hating people who don't completely put out their cigarettes. Now, that was an interesting one to me because Lacey Chappelle, former like soap star child, then she's like, I hate it when people don't put out their cigarettes. All I can imagine is that Lacey Chabert is like downwind of Elisa Renna, courtesy like 1999. And she's like, Lisa, stamp up that goddamn menthol, okay? I'm eight years old. I have to work for a living. Could you not? But three pet peeves stand out in the crowd. One, that guy who I had a very large crush on, on Everwood, Gregory, just saying that he hated department stores. And Rupert Grint, who of course is Ron Weasley from the Harry Potter franchise, saying vegetables. Like he just said the word vegetables when they asked him what his pet peeve was. Like, are these pet peeves? Are these items just facts of a suburban lifestyle? Like department stores and vegetables kind of have to exist, whether or not we find them irritating. Like, how is that a pet peeve? But if you thought what I just told you was weird, I need you to please hold on wherever you are, pull the car over, grab your dog, I don't sit the hell down because Mary Kate Olsen is absolutely unhinged in this moment. She mentions that she hates when people eat bananas and make that noise. And I can only think that it's kind of a full mouth, soft chewing noise. And as someone who eats bananas regularly, I for one need to understand exactly what happened to that led Mary-Kate to this truly peculiar revelation. Like, girl, which of the Mary-Kate and Ashley detective or sleepover movies had some kind of chewing banana moment and you weren't okay? Did Megan Fox loudly chew a banana on that one movie where she was like the bad guy and they're at the Atlantis resort? Please someone let me know. Megan Fox, like, I bet Megan knows. Please someone call Megan. Let's find out. So the men were asked their favorite video games, but I could not give less of a shit. And the ladies were asked their favorite lip glosses. As I said, don't care about the video games. So I'm going to end the pop culture trivia part of this episode with a little quiz. And that is that I think that I can predict your favorite teen queen, which teen queen is most like you based on the lip product that you choose of the six or so options I've listed below. Now, I think this has about all the accuracy of taking a BuzzFeed quiz by having that person read it aloud to you. So highly accurate, what could go wrong? Only six options. There were 28 teens. What could, what could go awry? Okay, the teen queen that is most like you, you would say, A, my favorite lip product is A, MAC lip gloss, B, cherry chapstick, C, juicy tubes, no product or color, like no flavor, scent, color specified, D, Bonnebelle products, E, lipstick, or F, rosebud solve. I'm assuming it is the rosebud and not the strawberry. I ride for the strawberry, but let's for the rose. Now, if you answered A and you said the lip product that is my favorite 
from the 2000s is a MAC lip gloss, then you are Ashley Olsen, Lacey Chabert, Christina Milian, or Raven Simone. If you answered B, that you like Cherry Chapstick, you are Lindsay Lohan or Mary Kate. If you answered C, that you like Juicy Tubes, then you are Hilary Duff and Amanda Bynes. If you answered D, that you like Bonneville products, then you are Solange and Alexa Vega. If you answered E, Lipstick, then you are Alexis Bledel or Mandy Moore or Emma Watson. And fun side note, Alexis Bledel was actually in a lip devotion ad for Bonneville. So... I want to know the tea. Like, did she not get enough, um, like, cotton candy slash Dr. Pepper chapsticks to keep her in the mix that she she up and left? Don't know what the story is. And if you picked F, Rosebud Solve, not the strawberry, only the rosebud. It's a white and pink tin. It's at Urban Outfitters. Then you are Kaylee Cuoco. I want to wrap it up by saying, you know, when this when this came out, there was no way that I could know that it's 2021. It came out in 20, 2003. So 18 years later, so much would happen. These teens would go on to live extraordinary lives with some marrying old French dudes and having bowls of cigarettes at their wedding or being Lindsay Lohan's roommate like Raven Simone or owning 25 horses like Kaylee Cuoco or having an incredibly chic all-white wedding like Solange or collectively at one time owning a minimum of 104 Juicy Couture velour or terry cloth outfits with Mary-Kate saltily adding when they asked her how many she owned that they had so many from two years ago when they were hot. So thank you, Vanity Fair, for giving me a delightful and slightly dark trip down memory lane. And if you want to relive all of this goodness, guess what? This article is online. It's called an archive. I included the link in the show notes so you can go ahead and gawk and relive the fun. But it's my podcast birthday, and I'm going to keep crying. I mean, cry if I want to. I'm not going to cry. Just like happy tears off camera because I don't want to be vulnerable. Now, if you have ever listened to this podcast and you thought, oh my God, it's so great, but I would just love to hear someone else talk, just anyone else in the whole world, then I would love for you to keep listening because the remainder of this episode is a fabulous person joining me for a tarot reading. I think you're going to love it. It's a lot of fun, some great dialogue. Um, and some really interesting cards. So stay tuned in a minute. That's where the rest of this episode is headed. Thank you for listening. So for Chart of Fortune's first birthday, I decided to gift myself to myself from myself, it's very confusing, a tarot reading because what would be a better first birthday gift? I mean, a smash cake, but this is far more practical. So I am joined today by Mallory from Drawn to Tarot. You can follow her at that handle on Instagram. She is in the process of creating her own tarot deck and a guide to accompany it. And if you go to Drawn to Tarot's Instagram, you can check out Spotify playlists that are for each card. You're going to love it. Admittedly, she is my sister, but she is also a tarot guru and she's going to give me a reading. So listen in and hope that we don't get the tower card. Okay, Mallory, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Nervous, scared, all of the above. Yeah, it's my reading. I'm frightened as well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there are no bad cards. Um, No. Looking at you, death card. Let's just take that one. Okay, we're not supposed to take it out. But anyway, so (laughs) how would we want to start a tarot reading if someone is thinking about integrating this practice? Definitely. Um, all starts with the deck. You want to pick one that means something to you, drawn to. It's a, as simple as you think it's pretty. Um, 
from that you want to you want to shuffle it um and kind of the way i do it is any card that yeets itself do kids still say yeet i don't know yeets <laughs> itself out of the deck um has something to say so that's what i go with um today for you elise i thought we would do kind of a three card pull um one kind of talking about the beginning of chart of fortune love one, it yeah one talking about where we find ourselves right now okay uh, and one kind of for the future, knowing that nothing's set in stone, but this is could be a sign of what's to come. Perfect. Okay. All right. So we're going to go ahead and pull from the deck and shuffle right now. The messier, the better. And just to confirm, because this is something that is on the Instagram and TikTok, you do not need to be gifted a tarot deck. You don't have, you can buy your own, do battle by yourself. Absolutely. I feel that you should buy your own. And if you're gifted one, that's beautiful too. But I feel like you should buy your own only because you should want to love what you're doing. You know, you should be drawn to it. And I think you're drawn to a deck for a reason. So go with it. Okay. And this is another hot topic. Um, Besides, do you read reverses? Would you ever buy a tarot deck or get a tarot deck from a library where it's been used by a lot of people? Do you feel like it's got like bad juju or? It's an excellent question. I think each person is going to interpret that differently. I don't have a problem with it. I think it's a great way to see if you're interested in it, test the waters without committing to buying a deck because they can be pricey. Um, You'll kind of want to set your own intentions for the deck and kind of put your own kind of feel into it when you read it. Um, but I don't think you have to buy your own if you just want to try it out. And is there anything that you do regularly with the deck to kind of keep the energy or the vibe where it should be or something we shouldn't do with a deck or should maybe consider before we, we do? Um, I like to keep the intention of what I'm asking for in my mind. Okay. Um, if you're having someone else read for you, you don't have to share your whole life story when you kind of get a reading. Okay. But it's good to keep kind of the realm of what you're asking in your mind. Okay. Um, with my own cards, I kind of have a little intention that I say in my head before I pull the cards. Um, and sometimes I find that while you're shuffling, it's helpful to talk about, at least in your head, what... Um, what you're open to, what you want to hear. So let's say if um, for us right now, I'm keeping in mind um, the last card that we're going to pull is going to be the future. So I'm kind of thinking about Chart of Fortune as a whole and thinking about where it might go from here to kind of ask the cards the question in my head. Yeah, I think so. Maybe I'll just share some intentions. So we have a grounding space. So for past, present, and future, um, obviously the past has been some fun learning and a really great experience. And the present is being a year in and the future hopefully is a lot more fun podcasting topics guests a lot of you know fun things to come so we have three cards we do i have them not flipped over yet so the suspense is building we'll do one at a time let's do that okay all right so the first card we have for the past where we started chart of fortune we've got the nine of swords so tying it into astrology okay because that's why we're here yes right so the swords corresponds to air okay so swords is all about communication yes um which is a podcast so that that fits in um and the way to look at a really easy way to look at a card like nine of swords maybe you have no idea what that means right off the bat i don't um, i am i am 
I only know the major arcana, kind of. So right. So um, the way to think about it is each um, minor arcana, so each suit, right? Uh, it goes from ace to king, kind of like a deck of cards, and it tells a story. So ace would be the beginning of the story. King is the end, knowing that the end is never really the end. Nothing's set in stone. Okay. So maybe the end of a, a chapter. A chapter, Like we right. have the new moon, full moon cycles where we let right. go or kind of finish a cycle of something. Exactly. So the nine of swords is kind of towards the middle of the story. Okay. Um, as the way I like to see it. So that's an easy way right off the bat to know we're talking about communication and it's kind of a middle of the journey. Okay. Um, so this is very interesting. Um, this is kind of about a little bit of insecurity. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> okay. Well, we're doing it. Um, we're doing it. Read me to filth, Tarot. What's uh, new? I, the cards don't lie. No. Um, all of this is there are no bad cards. There are no bad readings. It's just kind of might be your mental state, um, potentially. So this is kind of the idea of overthinking oh. my life. Um, so I really relate to this card. It's kind of thinking that like things are not going the way you want them to. Um, and, but in reality, nothing is as bad as we make it out to be in our head. Right. Okay. I think there's a sense of we're in our own head so much that a problem could be much greater than we, we make it out to be. Um, cause of that that self-doubt, that fear. Um, yeah, this is really, because so funny enough, I mean, this is an air card, but my, the chart of fortune's rising sign is actually a Virgo. It was supposed to be a Leo, but I had a technical glitch. And so it didn't come out at the same time to make it a Leo sign, Leo rising. So it's a Virgo. So I wonder if it's like that mercurial air energy, but I do think insecurity is a big part of it or not feeling like you, you're where you want to be. You know, this is a product of having a desk job and wanting to do something that's fulfilling and not that. And so that really resonates. Yeah. And there's a sense, um, in, I like to break it down for general, um, kind of in relationships and in career and finances. So it's interesting to get this where it kind of comes with career. Yeah. Um, in the past it's, it's a reading of like, you've been really stressed. Mm -hmm. There's been pressures at work. You're overwhelmed. You're overworked. Yeah. Um, and you kind of need an outlet. It's absolutely it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and although it is upright, so it's not reversed, um, I do believe in reversed readings as well, but the whole of the card is really about being overwhelmed um, mm -hmm. and feeling stressed, but knowing that it's not actually as, as bad as it may seem. And there is a light at the end of the tunnel. You just kind of need a new fresh perspective. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That resonate? <laughs> yes. More well, than we want to admit. A little intense. I know. A little. Okay. So our hard. second card is... We've got the Eight of Swords. Interesting. Ooh. So we're going backwards in the story. Well, that's about right. <laughs> um, but super interesting that we're all staying in the realm of communication. Yeah, this is really interesting. Because I am a Gemini sun and I'm a Libra rising. So I am two out of my three big three are in air signs. So I feel especially, I guess, seen, I don't know, red, maybe. <laughs> so tell me about the Eight of Swords. So the Eight of Swords is kind of staying in that you're in your own head. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like, there are things that are no longer serving you. Um, and 
a lot of overthinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of a, a way of like shifting your thinking. Um, things are not bad. You don't have these, these restrictions on you. It's all not to say you're crazy. It's never mm-hmm. that, but it's kind of more in your head. These restrictions right. are being placed on you by you. Okay. Um, but what, what's really interesting is that this talks about how the job that you have now mm-hmm. is not what you want. But this is talking. Yeah, this, this is. Yeah. Not this podcast, but obviously day job, we all have that struggle. So yeah, I right. feel that. And But this, this is specifically exactly talking about the job that you have that is directly tied to your income. Yes. Is not what you want. It is not, you know, we're not happy. Fulfilled, yeah. Fulfilled, yeah. And this is kind of saying, like, you might feel like you don't have another plan or backup plan, but you do. You have okay. another career path that you so, can take. So it's the thing of feeling like, oh, I can't leave. I'm frustrated, but I can't leave. I don't see an exit. And the reality is, is I have blinders on. And if I took the blinders off, I'd see the, that green exit sign Definitely. I just can't see it because I have these rules for myself. Right. And this is saying you do have another path. It might be a little outside of the box. Okay. Maybe like a podcast. Well, that would be nice. Uh, we right. should do that. Yeah. You'd be great at it. <laughs> um, but, you know, think outside the box a little bit. Okay. And you will find that fulfillment. But this is saying this: the nine to five of it all ain't it. Okay. Oof. Okay. <laughs> Wow. This is very intense. I mean, it's so good, though. I was really worried. It's funny. I was fixated on what card. Interesting. Because I don't know that much about Tara. So I'm like, I here in no particular order, I was like, death, devil, tower. You know, I I happen to love all of those cards. I think they're fun. Um, They're not the easiest. Would you want the tower as your final... Past, have, present, and future card if we, as before we turn it? Okay. Actually, I got that yesterday. And it was, oh, my God. Uh, it was a lot. But the tower is a wonderful all about change. Yeah. And, and it's, I think it's great. Okay. So our final card. Three of Cups. Okay. So Ooh, we are some minor arcana today. We are. They're which, like... No, it's kind of fun. every all the big wigs are like, bitch, we have places to be. It's Saturday, honey. Don't get... So what's interesting is that the minor... Arcana is a lot more like short term. Okay. The major arcana is kind of overarching long term mm-hmm. things. Um, so the the three of cups, like like I mentioned, we're in the beginning of the story, and cups is the water sign. Okay. Cups, yeah. Water makes sense. We just left Cancer season. We're in Leo season right now. So right. So I know we started really dark and kind of. If these cards are I. So what deck do you use before oh, we? Yeah, absolutely. I use the Fountain Tarot. Um, actually, they're really pretty, but really dark. They, you, they yeah. are. They are beautiful, kind of a watercolor style, and you actually got them for me. So, yeah, I'm um, plugging these, myself. But they are absolutely stunning. Um, and really kind of, that's another way to look at the, the deck is to see what the card looks like. That can kind mm-hmm. of help you read into. So the Three of Cups is a lot of light colors. Whereas yeah. The eight and nine of swords are darker. More yeah, blacks. more dark blade, grays and blacks. Exactly. So that can give you an inclination of what it might mean. Okay. So the three of cups. Here we go. We're oh, getting no. out of it, I promise. No. Well, it wasn't the tower, so I did get what I wanted, I guess. No, this is amazing. This is so good. 
Um, the Three of Cups is all about celebration, collaboration, creativity, friendship. It's fun. Um, this is all about, like, your friends and family coming together to support you and work together. Maybe on a tarot reading. Um, yeah, we're, we're trying our best here, universe. Uh, but this is saying this, this time should be fun. This okay. is um, celebrations of kind, you know, letting your hair down, enjoying life. Um, kind of a general idea. Um, in career specifically, kind of talking about where we're, because we've mentioned career yeah. in the last two, um, this is all about good things coming, Gra- like promotion, starting a new business, like things are good. Collaboration okay. is good. Things come easy to you right now um, and celebrate those things because things are, are going to be so good. That's so good. Yeah. It's, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's giving you license to celebrate and have fun and enjoy it. Yay. Well, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay, because it's my birthday, I mean, Chart of Fortune's birthday, um, and it's my sister, and she is stuck here at my house, um, she offered to do a kind of a fun little bonus one-card reading. So our intention for this reading is we're going to, we're shuffling the cards, but we're just saying, like, Okay, universe, like, what do, what do we need? Like, what does Chart of Fortune need to know? All right. What, what's the info? What's, like, what are we missing? Give me the details. Okay, we're ready? ready? Yeah. All right, here we go. Ooh, the tower reverse. I, so, well, let's just, let's just stop. We don't need to, I think we're good. I don't think we need anything else. We'll just, I think my mic's not working. Well, no, oh, mm-hmm. okay. no, trying uh, to get out of things. Okay. Sure. But I, personally love this card okay so i like the devil card always sure but and i like well the no everybody likes the magician that's not like a controversial card to like no, right it's a that's like slippery but okay yeah, so but it's no. like liking the tower and liking the devil to me feels kind of like liking coconut Lacroix. i almost love i love coconut so. Lacroix. i'm just saying like it's a hot opinion this is right. not saying you like if you like pomple moose it's like very like being like You're the strength bet. card or something right yeah safe bet okay so re- tower but so, in reverse and then let's because we didn't do this with the last reading yeah so the card itself is like this really beautiful so it's like a very it looks kind of like seattle area where it's like this valley and it has like lots of dark pine trees and it's like a cloudy foggy day and the tower is like an upside down pyramid and the point of the pyramid is touching forming like touching another pyramid and the large pyramid that's on top is on fire. So we Correct. see like embers and then smoke. Correct. Okay. So the tower is all about change. Okay. Um, it is all about sudden change. Okay. Um, and what's, I think gives the tower a bad rap is that it's literally a tower falling. Things yeah. Are crumbling. It's very, and to me, this is again, not being a tarot expert. There's a certain level of volatility you know, where it's not, to me, it doesn't feel like it's, like, the gradual change. Like, the way you'd say, like, oh, I want to get in better shape, so I'm going to try walking a little further every day, or I'm going to start a food journal, or this, to me, it's, it's like, not that gradual change. You right. know, it's, like, a lightning bolt of, like, right. action. And, and put tying it into astrology, it is a fire sign. Okay. So it is ruled by Mars. So that is, like, the impatience. Yeah. It's you know. very active. Yeah. Yeah. It's And it's... 
at wor- at best it is incredibly like forceful and powerful and magnetic and then i think at worst the fire signs are like impulsive where it's like it's not thoughtful or it's not thought out and it's not maybe as mo- the most pragmatic right and so the tower is all about your take on it so by that i mean that you have a choice you can either fight the change mm-hmm. and go down with the tower okay. or you can lean into it kind of like if you were hydroplaning right okay because if you so like like in a medieval way like if you're living in this tower this is like a battlefront for you in a castle and then the tower is going to collapse like if you just stay there then you're going to go down with it but if you're like wait we're not going to be able to like win this battle we got to figure out how we're going to get the hell out of here and live kind of you know like right okay and so it's all about knowing that change can be scary i'm not good at it but it can be really good and that it's happening for you, okay. not to you. Okay. Um, yeah. That's, kind of, yeah. That's, that's heavy. So the card is in reverse. I flipped it so I could see the picture. But I believe when we first put it on the table, it was reversed. Right. So that, unfortunately, is not a lack of change. It's not completely opposite of okay. the upright Okay. So meaning. they're like, just kidding. It's not on fire. Right. We flipped it so the tower, the fire's at the bottom. So it's just like a campfire... Weenies, s'mores, chilling. No. No, this is all about change still, but it's happening within you, from you, not to you, if that makes sense. Okay. You are the one who is initiating this change. So I'm burning my own tower down. Yeah. It's in a way, it's letting go of things that don't serve you anymore, Mm -hmm. but on your terms. Um, So listen to that little voice in your Mm -hmm. head that says, no, don't go in there. No, do that. It will save you a lot of heartache. But this is kind of the idea of, like, questioning things. Questioning yeah. all things. Um, because it's in reverse, mm-hmm. and because it's the discussion of the change and the desire to, like, burn it all down is not me, rea- like, the world and me reacting to that. It's me and then me wanting the world to react to that need or drive or, like, the actions that I take to make that happen. What is, do you think that there's different advice? Like, is it, is it simply to look within or, I guess what I'm saying, wondering is, like, maybe this is me being a mutable person is, like, when change is happening to me, that's much easier for me. Because I think it's, like, there's only so many options, right? Like, I don't have, I'm in traffic well, I probably need to email my work and let me, let them know I'll be late. You know, like, I feel like it limits the scope of possibilities for my actions. And in a way, that's very uh, helpful to me. So the idea that it comes from within then makes me question because uh, Virgo Moon, like, how do I know what, like, how do I trust what that is, like, what I'm hearing and be like, no, you know what, this is the good tower work that needs to be happening versus like, the emotional flippant response of, like, the emotional trigger of, like, you know, wanting to, like, honk at someone after they cut you off in traffic. Yeah. You know? Like, as how do you nice. have discernment around that? As a fire sign. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't rather, have any fire in my chart. I have too much. Uh, I would rather the change come from within me because I'm controlling it. Okay. I have control over where the fire... I set the fire. Okay. Essentially. To answer your question about how do you know whether it's not an emotional gut reaction versus a Yeah, like, what, what to lean into and what to be like, 
hey, that's totally real. It's a big feeling. And like, there is nothing wrong with that feeling, but like, let's not center that or like make that the catalyst for action. Yeah, I think for me, it's the difference in voices. It gets really Mm -hmm. nuanced, but you know, when you're mad and you like want to flip someone off in traffic, that is like a screaming voice in your head. You're Mm -hmm. like, you know, whether you're screaming out loud or not, I don't judge, but that is a loud voice in your head. Yeah. Right. Uh, this voice of change is, is a quieter one. Okay. It's one that's more consistent. If you keep thinking the same thing over and over again, it's probably the, something to go with. Okay. Um, and what's cool about the tower in reverse when it talks about career mm-hmm. is talking about leaving something monotonous and unfulfilling. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is saying... You've been waiting for a sign yeah, to kind of peace out a little bit, whether that's emotionally or mentally. Well, I think it's almost like, for me, it's permission. It's, again, the getting to respond to something instead of being the source of action. You know what? Like, it's like, I'm not throwing the party. I'm RSVPing yes to a party I've been invited to. And I think the tower in reverse especially is saying, if you see this, this is your permission. You know what's best for you, and you can let go of what's not good for you oh my god I'm gonna cry this is intense I did not I was like so hoping for an easy car I'm sorry no it's good I was like hoping for like some magician fuckboy magic which is like do what you do or something I don't even know no this this is specifically talking about this is the sign you've been waiting for to Mm -hmm. burn it down in the way that what no longer is serving you set it on fire um but in the way you know not like, but like not like a um, scorched earth though, where it's no, like no, no. release or destroy, but like not. Yeah, maybe destroy is not even the right word. Like, it's not a scorched earth. It's more this isn't serving me anymore, and it's not been serving me for mm-hmm. a very long time. Yeah. And the tower says, like, it's less of a calm, let it go, and more mm-hmm. of a get rid of it, yeah. get it out, donate it, put it on the curb. Mm-hmm. You you can. You can do like banishment more. almost, where you're like you are no longer get out. Yeah, or yeah. there's just like a wall there. Because I, I, yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't really respond to the idea that it's like this rageful, like unchecked fire sign energy of like, like in Game of Thrones, there's like a crazy Targaryen king, and he just spends like a whole scene. He's absolutely insane, and he just screams like burn them all. He has no, like he has, no, it's just like no, everything must go. Nothing is right. Everything must be destroyed. All of it, like, the, it's about, like, a purge instead of this really nuanced, like, no, it's time to, like, cut ties. It's time it's to... It's kind of like a, um, like those controlled wood fire burns as yeah. opposed to a forest fire. Yeah. Um, it's letting go of what's not working anymore in the way, the bigger scheme of your life as opposed yeah. to getting rid of everything. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, you heard it here first. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mallory. It's always good to see you. Slash, you have to be here because we're related. But um, again, if you want to get some more tarot nuance, uh, listen to some music that's some tarot vibes, please follow Mallory at Drawn to Tarot on Instagram. It's all those words drawn to tarot, T-O instead of the number two, right? Correct. And there are spot li- playlists on Spotify that you can check out. Um, and she posts. You can learn more about cards. And then... When that deck comes out, I think we'll have to have you back on and do something for that, too. I would love to. Anytime. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Again, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for coming on this journey with me. This podcast is officially one years old and none of this would be possible without you listening. Whether you've been here since last July or this is your first episode, please remember that everyone has a birth chart, but yours is a chart of fortune. I just wanna say I am so truly grateful that you are here. I hope you know that you, yes, you right now are helping me make a dream of mine come true. So I hope you stick around. Be sure to check out my Friday episode of my summer mini series recapping the 2003 MTV reality show, Rich Girls. This week's episode, we see Jamie and Allie head from Seattle to Los Angeles for some shopping, some dinner with minor celebs, and a lot of turmoil about international travel. Thank you for listening to Chart of Fortune. You can send questions, comments, future episodes, ideas to me via email for our chartoffortune at gmail.com or say hey on my Instagram, Chart of Fortune. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review. It helps other listeners find this podcast and it makes me feel like the star my Leo Midheaven wishes I was. Also, if you DM me a pic of your review on Instagram, I will send you a glow-in-the-dark Chart of Fortune sticker. Until next time, I love you. And in case no one told you lately, you are a brand new MAC lip gloss in a sea of drugstore chapsticks that went through the washing machine. Don't let them forget it. Bye! Stars and from the Olsen twins to Lizzie McGuire's Hillary Duff, we found them looking pretty cool posing for the cover of the new Vanity Fair. Looking more like the cover of Tiger Beat than Vanity Fair, the photo shoot for the issue on Stands Next Tuesday brought together the hottest, most bankable teenage titans in the business. Getting the treat. From Mary Kate and Ashley to Amanda Bynes, Hillary Duff to Mandy Moore, the shoot marked the first time most of these teen queens had ever met. So I think a lot of more thrilled to kind of meet each other and realize that, oh, wow, you're that for, oh, wow, you do this. A lot of kind of meet and greet and fun and hanging out. And they wasted no time comparing notes over the important milestones like hitting the car keys. At 15, Hillary has got a couple of years before she's street legal. But don't look for MK and Ash, as they're called, to be making any road trips this summer. They'll be studying for their SATs. While 17-year-old Amanda Bynes hopes to follow in the footsteps of her Asked her who her idol was, and she said Jennifer Aniston. And I looked at her, I was like, wow, she actually does have a very much a Jen Aniston quality.